Hello everyone, this is Chris Lim with the Theotech Podcast. Today I'm joined with my good friend Alan Wong, who is our former producer. Hey, what's up guys? Of our podcast, and uh, we're going to have some fun today. We recorded some things before the pandemic about entrepreneurship, and now post-pandemic we just wanted to catch up and talk about stuff. But uh, Alan, you asked me a really cool question that I'd be happy to answer. You want to ask me again? For sure. And before I ask that question, I just want to go on a quick tangent by saying I, I do appreciate the fact that we're talking again, one, like, hello, human interaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, but two, I think as a producer, video producer, I always want to have things all set up and, and look nice. And I think uh, we're doing this literally off the cuff. And uh, I just appreciate the, uh, the quick reflexes and the... Um, Bias for action. Yes, bias for action. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, for me, like I just know sometimes our conversations are so fun that it's better just to get the content than to have a perfect, you know, audiovisual setup. Because I know how hard it can be to try to reproduce that energy. Right. When you like try to plan everything out, it's possible, but you right. gotta do like a lot of takes. You gotta reshoot or whatever. Versus like, let's just have a conversation. Right. You can get some good stuff. And we've we've definitely been in situations where we've had really good conversations, and at the end of it. We always regret not recording. So I, know. I think I think this is years of like regret. <laughs> <piling> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> and I think your Amazonian, you know, uh, bias for action mm-hmm. characteristic comes out and says uh, we got to do this. So. so the question that I had, Chris, for you is uh, I've I've appreciated. Uh, well, there's many characteristics I appreciate from you, but one of them Thanks, that I Alan. do appreciate um, and respect a lot is your ability to communicate and convey uh, an idea and a topic. Um, but I was just wondering um, if you believe that this is a particular skill or talent that you were born with, or is this something that you've developed? Maybe it was a combination of two. I'd love to hear the story of how you uh, became to be the communicator that you are today. Thanks, Alan. Um, I would like to be modest. I don't think I'm the most fantastic communicator, but I do love clear ideas, and I love to get excited about ideas that are compelling. Mm-hmm. So that might be one reason why it feels that way on the receiving end. It's like, whoa, you know, I love the feeling of being of having your mind blown. Mm-hmm. But I will say as a kid, I was not a good communicator. I was very shy, very nervous. I remember in fifth grade where I had to give a book report and the kid in front of me was this cool kid named Mario. And he came up there and did his thing. And I'm like, oh, I have to go after that. I'm like, so this is the book I read. It's not that cool. <laughs> I, I'm so nervous. Oh, shy <laughs> So shy. Um, and I would remember, I remember my dad would tell me that, Chris, you have to be more assertive, you know, like trying to be a, be a man kind of thing. And it's like, <laughs> it's so hard. I don't feel that good. Um, I think that there's that aspect of it, which is that confidence aspect. Mm-hmm. But then the content aspect is also a huge thing because you can have a confident person who just talks, 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 and like, okay, they seem like they know what they're talking about, but I don't get any value out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't under- actually understand it. My understanding has not increased mm-hmm. by listening to them. Mm-hmm. That happens a lot too, and that's not, I don't think that's good. Mm-hmm. There's the confidence aspect, but I'm gonna skip that part. I'll focus on the content aspect because I think that's what you're asking. Yeah. What makes your communication clear and also substantive? Yeah, for sure. And I can point back to a moment in time where by God's grace, my mind just opened up. It felt like everything I was, everything, the way I thought about the world before that felt like everything was 2D, like a picture. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it felt like it was 3D, like a whole other dimension where intellectually speaking, I felt like before I could just see one step in front of me, like, okay, here's what they're saying. Here's the next idea, whatever. And then after that, I felt like I had a GPS where I could see the whole map Mm. of the idea world. I think that that moment is what really clarified my communication. And it happened in a couple ways. One of them was, I was at that time listening to a lot of sermons by Pastor John Piper. And in his preaching, he always tries to work from the text and explain his thinking to arrive at his conclusion. 
-hmm. It's a very different way than preach of preaching than just like here's the answer, right? Mm -hmm. Or here's a nice story and here's you know what you should do about it or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was like it's kind of like exegetical preaching, not you know, by, by explaining his thinking to you. Mm -hmm. And I think I would listen to those sermons on, on my way to school and on the way back home and everything like that for you know like for a year or for years. And it ended up doing stuff in my mind. I think that started kind of snapping Lego bricks into place, mm. kind of like, oh, okay, here's how ideas connect. Here's how you can go from some source material and end up at a conclusion and, and tie things together. I think that there was some training there that was happening mm -hmm. implicitly. At the same time also, there were things in school where, you know, before college, I think oftentimes I would try to do essay homework just to get it done. Mm. And they would give you a formula, right. <laughs> you know, thesis statement, supporting evidence number one, mm. sentence number one, sentence yep. number two, like you just fill in the formula. Yeah, It's not really thinking. Mm -hmm. It's fill in the blank. Yes. That's not, I, it's, it's okay to start as like a super, super training wheel, yeah. but it's not teaching you how to think. It's not teaching you how to reason. Mm -hmm. So I think that in college is when, in one class in particular, uh, I forgot the name of the class, but we had to write these essays where the teacher was like, there's no rules about how you have to write this. What I expect though, is that you really wrestle with the material and expose that to me. So I mm -hmm. want you to invent your own words. I want you to di draw diagrams of your ideas. And I want you to figure out whatever genre of writing you want to do to convey that idea. Mm -hmm. So he was both he was both breaking up all of the rules and giving us great freedom, but mm. still having this like expectation that to get to the heart of really what is it that you're trying to say. And we did like four essays in that class. And I remember one time I wrote an essay where it was from the perspective of a character in a book, as mm. if I was writing a letter to another character in the book. Mm -hmm. Freedom, you just get to make up whatever you want. Mm -hmm. So that creative freedom coupled with the demanding expectation that you really are thinking it through, mm -hmm. I think it kind of like shifted my perception about writing. Mm. It's like, oh, it's not just about pleasing the teacher. Mm. It's not just about filling in the formula. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not just about having fancy words. And, and then the work of inventing new words or the work of drawing diagrams, those things kind of are different ways that, you know, your brain kind of restructures things so that it gets to the point where it has clarity mm. about an idea that you can like, communicate. And I remember in that experience of writing those essays, I would reach moments of having my mind blown. Mm. So I'd be like thinking about really hard about this question. I was like, oh, and I would stay up till 3 a.m. thinking about the question. I haven't even written a word yet and I'm drawing diagrams and scribbling, whatever. And then I would get to a point of insight and I'd be like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and then I could write the essay in 15 minutes. Mm. <laughs> right? Because yeah. all that thinking work, we, we use writing as a tool to help us figure out our thinking. Mm. And unfortunately, if you, if you if you do that and you just give that, that kind of rough draft work out, it's not that good. But if you use it as a tool to figure out your thinking and then you write, your writing can be very clear and to the point. Mm -hmm. And you can cut all the fluff, all the other random you know, tangents that your thinking went on that you figured out through writing. You can just kind of start editing it down to the real essence of what you wanted to say. Those practices in college of listening to that sermon, that sermon style of like, here's the scripture and here's how we different ways we can interpret it. Here's the answer why I think this is the, the way we should think about it and apply it to our lives. Plus this like really creative uh, thinking work that breaks the rules but still gets to the heart of the matter. Mm. I think God used those two things as like kind of fertile soil in my mind. And then there was this one moment where it was like, boom, I was like trying to write an essay. Mm. And uh, I was like even praying and struggling with some questions. I think one of the questions that was really hard was about, uh, and it's really relevant to our day, when you know you have your own lived experience, I have my own too. And we're very concerned in our day about imposing your values on other people or whatever like that. Mm -hmm. And yet we also believe uh, that there are things that are true. There are things that are effective. So how do you communicate truth in a way that doesn't demean others or put yourself above others? 
mm-hmm. but that loves others. Mm-hmm. Is that even possible, right? Yeah. Or is it always an arrogant act mm-hmm. in order to say, I know the truth and here's the answer, mm-hmm. right? So what does it look like to do that? That was a really hard question I was wrestling with for one of those essays. Mm-hmm. And I think I was staying up till 3 a.m. praying about it. And I was like, oh, what's the, how do I answer this? This is so hard. Yeah, because it is a hard question. <laughs> it's such a hard question. Um, and then I came to, and then like in this burst of insight or clarity, it's like, oh, I think there's at least these three factors that we can think about when we're thinking about how to communicate truth and love to others. Mm-hmm. One is receptivity. That is that I'm open to hearing you. Mm-hmm. I'm not coming to you just to tell you something. I'm actually open and receptive, being changed by your feedback, mm-hmm. by your ideas, mm-hmm. by your questions too. If I, approach with, if I approach you that way, that makes it a more loving and truthful interaction. Mm-hmm. And then another one's eduction, which the word, this is all the word work, right? Mm-hmm. To, the word education comes from adduce, and adduce means like the, the root, and it means to draw out. So you're kind of mm-hmm. trying to draw out ideas out of other people. You're not just trying to like put it on them and say, here's the right answer. Mm-hmm. You're trying to help them see for themselves that something is true. And that's a very humble way to approach something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if a doctor just tells you, oh, this is what you have to do, just do it, you'll get better. That's very different than a doctor who listens to you and tries to help you see, well, here's how I understand the body working. Mm-hmm. And so if you did these things, you might get this kind of a result. And there's why I'm giving you this medication. Mm-hmm. That builds trust. Right. That's, very, that's speaking the truth in love mm-hmm. because you're drawing it out from their own, like, their own experience. Those were two factors. There were other ones that I, that I thought of in that essay. But it started to come together in that kind of moment of insight. Mm-hmm. For me, it, it did feel like an enlightenment experience in college where my brain went from like kind of driving with just like the fog lights on to having like a GPS. Mm. I can see around and I can figure out the best way to get to that point or that point. And, and that's how it feels like now, intellectually, when I'm in conversation with you or somebody else is to listen carefully, to try to understand the map in your head of your idea world, even if it's not clear to you, to kind of see that and connect it with my map and then to be able to navigate from that. Mm-hmm. So I can ask questions that are directly in response to you or I can ask questions on the side mm-hmm. that are relevant, to, you know, that are connected to your idea or I can bring in a whole other field of you know, ideas and knowledge and combine the two, remix them with mm-hmm. you and see what, is that, what happens when we do that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of that different perspective that I think creates that clarity in communication. I'm using my words almost to draw the map with mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. It's very improvisational, like a jazz musician or a violinist or whatever, like that's just making up a melody. Mm-hmm. But because the basics have come into play mm-hmm. from the college time and, and by God's grace, I can improvise on the fly by bringing in other ideas, by looking at it from another angle. And with those tools in the toolkit, it's like the chords of playing a musical instrument. It's like, oh, we'll just, oh, cool. Okay, this is what you do, I'll do this. Mm-hmm. And then you do, oh, okay, I'll do that. And then like, it's, like, it's almost like a co-creating act. Mm-hmm. And that makes it so fun. Yeah. I think it's it's fun that you bring the analogy of jazz in. I was thinking of communication as, as music in the sense that I think there are single notes that you can practice and you can perform and you can string a bunch of notes and, and that can just be like a piece, right? And I think when it comes to communicating, some people communicate just for the sake of getting an idea or out there. Like information mm. out, right? And I, and I like the jazz uh, analogy because one, I think there's there's a lot of practice that happens, uh, staying up late, writing that essay, or thinking about that essay. You're not even writing about it, mm-hmm. um, thinking about it to the point where you have essentially accomplished what your professor said, which is to <laughs> wrestle with it, right? Yeah. And once you've done that hard work, the writing actually became a lot easier mm-hmm. to communicate and convey. 
similar to like a musician or a jazz musician, there's a lot of practice that goes on behind the scenes to be able to improvise on the, on the fly. And I don't know how much you prepare. Obviously, we probably didn't prepare for this conversation. I'm sure you'd prepare a little bit more when it comes to speaking engagements. The sermon, I'll write out a script, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I think there's, there's some of that preparation and practice that goes behind the scenes that people don't see to be able to convey and communicate articulately and effectively. But I also think, yeah, just I think just similar to jazz musicians, I don't think musicians see notes anymore. I think they see like ideas, phrases. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I love the part where you incorporate other musicians. So it's not just your own idea, but it, it becomes a conversation. Mm-hmm. It becomes a dialogue. And I like the analogy of you know, drawing things out from other people. I think that's why it makes you a very effective communicator. So uh, I appreciate you talking <laughs> with me because like, I feel like I learned a lot, you know. Yeah, and ideas. it's just like, well, it's just so fun. Honestly, I have to admit mm, yeah. that I love the idea world. And when people want to engage on that level, uh-huh. it's just so fun because mm. there's so many possibilities and there's so many things that you can explore. And it's also relevant, I think. Like talking about the question of like, how do you speak the truth in love to someone? What mm-hmm. does that really mean? Mm-hmm. If, if we actually talk about that idea and we get somewhere, it changes us. Mm-hmm. It does change how we communicate with other people and it makes us more aware about like, oh, I'm just totally not receptive right now. Mm-hmm. I just want to tell them what to do and that's not love. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a Christian, then we want to change and uh, to bear witness to what's true. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why I love ideas because they're so much fun, but they're also so, they can be so serious mm-hmm. while they're also so fun. Mm-hmm. And that's such a rare thing. It's just so cool to have seriously that. Seriously fun. It's seriously <laughs> fun, right? Yeah. And um, oh, I want because you, you talked about jazz and music and stuff. I want to talk about a different idea that's maybe related sure. to a riff off yeah, of go that. For it. And then I'm going to connect music with ethics. So okay. in ethics, the question is sort of like, what's good? How do you define what's good, or what's the good life? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we talk about human flourishing, right? In the Christian faith and work world, like how do you, how does your work contribute to human flourishing? Or you can have a different philosophy like utilitarianism, like what's the most beneficial for the most number of people? Mm-hmm. There's all these different philosophies about what's good. And in Christian ethics, I feel like when we talk about faith and work and we talk about human flourishing, sometimes we don't define what that means. Mm. It's kind of vague, like people are happy, <laughs> you know, right. or they're like healthy or like, what does it actually mean to, yeah. for human beings to flourish? Mm-hmm. So, there's this tradition, a Christian tradition, that comes from Thomas Aquinas, natural law, philosophy, and things like that, that actually tries to say, these are the seven basic goods. Mm. And a basic good means that you're not trying to get it as a means to an end. So it's not like, okay, I'm going to exercise so that I can get fit, right? The exercise is not a good in itself. It's like a way to, to get something else. Mm-hmm. These seven basic goods, people can argue what the goods are, but they're trying to say like, okay, these are ends in themselves. You don't need another reason why you want this. Mm. You can want this for itself. And then all of that is ultimately under the category of worship. This is all how we worship God, but it's not just like singing in church. Mm -hmm. It's through these, by the pursuit of these seven basic goods that God designed us to have. Mm -hmm. So I was reading that philosophy material, and then I was thinking about music. Are there any scales that have seven notes? Uh, (laughs) Are there any scales that have seven notes? And the answer is yes. The most common Western scale is do, ra, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. That's seven notes, plus one is the octave. So then I was like, ooh. What if I map these seven basic goods to the seven scale, the seven notes of the scale, right? And the seven basic goods, like there's different catalogs of goods, uh-huh. but here's like I think one of them, like I can name some, right? People, uh, people might say that integrity, living according to your values and beliefs, mm-hmm. is a basic good. You don't need another reason why you do that. Mm-hmm. It's an end in itself. Yeah. Uh, another one is like aesthetic pleasure, the enjoyment of beauty, of good, of good tasting food, of music, and things like that is an end in itself. Uh, family relationships to preserve and protect families and build them up and stuff, that's an end in itself. 
friendship, which is different than family because it's voluntary, mm -hmm. is also a basic good. Excellence in work and play, mm -hmm. so being excellent at what you do. Knowledge is an mm -hmm. end in itself. Mm -hmm. And I always forget one of them. But to at least have it concretely laid out is so helpful as we talk about human flourishing. Because mm -hmm. now whatever we're doing, whether it's at work, or if it's in a church setting, or if it's in like a social setting of a party we want to throw, we can kind of see like, oh, like in what ways is this serving some of the seven basic goods for other people, providing for other people that kind of an experience. Mm -hmm. And then if you map them to the musical scale, it's almost like, oh, what chords am I going to play? Mm. So if I have a party, I'm going to give some aesthetic pleasure, some excellence in work and play, some friendship. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's like a C chord, right? Mm -hmm. and, then, and then you look at your calendar and you have a tempo. So you can kind of convert uh, it into sheet music of like, oh, ooh. And then, and then when you have different organizations collaborating or different people who are like, oh, let's have a party here, let's do like a work thing there, yeah. you start getting a score, mm. right? Of, of music and all these different instruments filling in different parts. And, and it really is like the music of life yeah. where life is like a, a, one big worship song to God across these seven basic goods. And we get to be improvisers like jazz musicians adding it here and there with Jesus kind of defining the melody. Mm. So the analogy for me was so powerful because it also led to this question of competition with other organizations, right? Like Theotech, what we do. There's mm -hmm. so many faith and tech organizations out there now. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to view it as competition where it's like there's one winner and we're rivals or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when you use the seven basic goods and this analogy to music and scales and stuff, then you're thinking about how do we actually symphonize? How can we symphonize our efforts so we're making music together? And like I might cover these basic goods right, like knowledge, mm -hmm. but you might cover some other ones, like a deep dive into AI, that's like excellence in work and play. And so we can now figure out how do we, like, like musicians, how do we play together? Mm -hmm. How do we listen to each other and invent our own melodies? And, and so it becomes a very collaborative rather than a competitive experience because mm -hmm. we're all playing to the score of our creator. Man, talk about having your mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for letting me go on that little roller coaster ride of yours. I was like, I don't know how this guy's gonna do that. <laughs> Uh, but clearly you've thought about it for a long time. It's not a topic that is, is unfamiliar. Um, and so I think it's, it's really, uh, if you use the map analogy, sort of like hybridizing two maps together and mm -hmm. finding all the roads that connect and the rivers and, and yeah. all the things. And, um, do you mind if I ask one more question, which is, let's say, if I, I don't like the question of what would you tell your younger self, but let's say if we have younger viewers, yeah. younger listeners who may want to improve in their communication or their thought process, what would you sort of like oh, yeah. encourage or suggest What's them some to, ideas yeah, for that? Yeah. To how to improve to like, communication? To like improve, yeah. yeah, so I think, again, at the beginning of this episode, I mentioned there's two different aspects to it. One is content and one's confidence, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I can't really talk about the confidence part. That's so unique to your life, and your circumstances, your personality, and, and why you might feel insecure that your voice doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you could work through. But on the content side, I do think there are some pretty clear things that could be done. So one of them that I didn't mention, I think it's also a gift from God, mm -hmm. was I, I just started reading my Bible every day when I was like eight or something like that. And it was really simple. I just had a Bible next to my bed. And before I go to bed, I would just read a little bit. It didn't matter how much, mm -hmm. and then go to bed. And that became a habit and it was all by God's grace. And I think that that habit just, I didn't always understand what I was reading. I didn't always, okay, I figured it out. I found an application to my life or whatever. It was just reading literally. Mm -hmm. But what that was doing was it was kind of like filling my mind, kind of reprogramming my brain with so much material. That's just kind of there. Mm -hmm. The dots haven't connected yet. Mm -hmm. It's like training a neural network. Mm -hmm. Like the first layer has gotten some data, the input, mm -hmm. but it hasn't synthesized through all the other layers yet. Mm -hmm. But you just kind of keep feeding it. Mm -hmm. Just keep putting it in there. Don't worry if you don't understand yet. Just let your mind soak it up, right? 
but keep that consistency up because that will keep your mind soaking it up. And then that is almost like fertile ground for bigger structures to form, ideas to form, themes to emerge that form that, that kind of next layer of the map, right? Where you have an abstraction now. So that's like the first thing. Let your, let your mind fill up with stuff, that's good. And then the sermon listening to, I wasn't always awake on the bus ride to mm. school or whatever, mm -hmm. but by getting that continual regular source, I was learning those patterns of thinking, of patterns of reasoning from a text and then ending up at a conclusion, right? Just by listening. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's another kind of practice. These are like really easy things that you can do, mm -hmm. right? Uh, of course, the content you listen to makes a difference. So if you listen to a sermon that's just meant to be kind of more motivational, mm -hmm. but not really showing you the reasoning, mm -hmm. you're not gonna get that pattern of thinking. You're gonna absorb a different one. So you wanna find the ones that are kind of expanding your thinking, if that's what you're trying to develop, that ability to communicate right. like that. Like having substance. I know John Piper is a very dense, dense in a nice sense uh, mm -hmm. of being very thoughtful in his, his approach to scripture. That's, so. that's right, yeah. So and there's other good preachers too with different styles. There's more storytelling types and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that you're not gonna gain the thinking pattern. Mm. If that's what you're aiming for, to have clear mm -hmm. thinking, mm -hmm. you wanna listen to the people who are trying to explain their thinking as they're going, because mm -hmm. that will help you to develop the pattern of processing information. You're not just trying to get the output of I feel better or I have an application for my life. Mm -hmm. You're trying to get the process of, here's what the scripture says, and then here's how I think about it, and then, oh, I see. And then you learn that process, mm -hmm. and then you can do it yourself. Mm. So you're learning how to ride a bike, you're not just getting to your destination. Mm. That's kind of what you're, you're aiming for when, with that stuff that you're listening to. Gotcha. Uh, and so I think those, those are like super basic. If you're a young person, and you find that kind of content that helps like shape your thinking, mm -hmm. and you just keep absorbing that, eventually you're setting up your brain basically for those moments when like these two different structures in your brain suddenly connect, they touch, mm -hmm. and then pfft, they all get new connection everywhere. Yeah. It all snaps into place, and yeah. you have your mind blown. Yeah, and you feel amazing, right? Yeah. Like, <gasps> right, and you can't help but share it because then you get passion, you get excited, and then you 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 might like I talk really fast when I get excited. Right. I know that's a kind of a weak communication <laughs> on my part. But as you get excited, then you're also motivated to push further, to go deeper. And it gives you the motivation to think deeply about things for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like when I talked about the essay question, it was really hard. I was staying up till 3 a.m. to do my homework. And honestly, like in my lazy self, I didn't want to. But because I, was, I started to care about the question and I also had moments of epiphany mm -hmm. that like motivate me, it gave me the tenacity to be like, I'm gonna keep chewing on this question. Cause I, I can tell when it's a fake answer and when it's like a substantive one, like I can make up an answer, but it's mm -hmm. not the same thing as like, oh, this is insightful. And so you kind of need to lay the groundwork by you know, consuming content regularly that's good and then listening to things that help you develop thinking patterns. Mm -hmm. And then that will help you to get the perseverance to kind of chew on some things that are hard, some hard mm -hmm. questions, and get to the point where you get the satisfaction of like gaining insight. And that becomes a feedback loop that'll keep you coming back again and again and wanting to deepen that that insight and apply it to new things. And I think once you have the feedback loop, you know, it's just, it just becomes fun and you'll start to do it in so many other parts of your life. Gotcha. Gotcha, yeah, I mean, and this is not just for younger people too. This is for anyone who wants to start. <laughs> I, I selfishly asked that question because I wanted to know the answer, you know. Yeah, um, and I think the other piece is the confidence piece that I didn't really talk about because it is a factor. You do need to externalize your knowledge. Right. If you only keep it inside, you're not gonna get the same kind of feedback mechanism that you get by actually trying to share it with someone else. Yeah, I actually wanted to touch on that because I think like you, I mean, I'm an introvert, I lean on the introverted side and I too have stories of, you know, 
when I was a preschooler during show and tell, I would take my toy out and not say anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was funny, like, but I was just like really shy just growing up. On the subject of confidence, I think for me, it was continuously practicing. So this might be like a different approach, but I think for me, it was to continuously talk even if I didn't have enough substance underneath. Yeah. And I didn't have to talk with a person. I re clearly remember recording myself on these little mini nice. cassette tapes of stories or whatever I would make up. And even now, just talking with friends, talking with family, talking to myself on a podcast, maybe. <laughs> or, or it could be in front of, you know, people, hundreds of people. I think the confidence is only gained through just like practicing and keep allowing yourself to communicate. I agree with uh, that. Uh, which is kind of funny. It's, I don't think it's counter to what you're saying. No, it's not. I think you can develop both of those skills separately or simultaneously. But I just think what makes an effective communicator is when the mastery of both of them yes. exists. Mm -hmm. when, when you do have the ability to think clearly and, and, and to really wrestle with the subject, but also to communicate it in a way that's powerful and effective. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's what I admire of you. And I think that's the work that you've done to this point to kind of like demonstrate those. Oh, thanks, Alan. Thanks for bringing the confidence piece. Because yeah. that's actually really helpful for people. Yeah, you don't have to have it all figured out. Yeah. But if you keep practicing and even fail a couple times embarrassingly, yeah. then eventually it'll be good. Right. Like, like, you know, like I don't, I don't assume that you're, you have like a, a clean track record of perfect nope. <laughs> <laughs> like talks. You know, I'm, I'm sure I, like if we go through the archives, we could probably find you know some, some more embarrassing ones <laughs> if they've been ever recorded. <laughs> I gave a presentation at Amazon about how to use CSS, cascading style sheets, which is a technology for styling stuff in the web. Mm -hmm. And I was really confident in my content, but when it came to confident in presentation, mm. oh man, I don't want to ever look at that recording of that talk. Because <laughs> I was so nervous and everything, and like I believed in the content, but I could not talk for the life of me. Because it's like a room full of engineers. Yeah. It's like, oh, like they're going to poke holes in everything I say. I totally get that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think like too, it is definitely a linear progression and one that takes time. I'm, I'm sure you can agree with that, to develop both of those skills and stuff. To not be hard on yourself if, you're, if you don't feel like you're a good communicator, but recognizing that it's every day, every practice, every thought that mm -hmm. leads you to become a better communicator. Yeah. And I think also that it's easy to kind of fall into gimmicks when you're trying to have effective communication, like when it comes to sales and stuff or mm -hmm. other things like that, trying to persuade people. There's a lot of like techniques you can use that are kind of a little bit gimmicky to get people to agree with you and things like that. Mm -hmm. One of them is like to say things that people already agree with so that they say yes, 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 and then you throw your idea in there, they also say yes out of like repetition mm -hmm. and habit. Mm -hmm. Things like that, which are rhetorical devices and you can still kind of use them, but instead of focusing on that, it's a lot more, I think a lot more meaningful to, to have content that you really care about, even if other people don't care about it, to think about it clearly and to share that. Mm -hmm. That kind of authenticity I think is valuable in the long term. Mm -hmm. In the long term it is. And, and so that give you the conviction that even when people don't listen to your ideas, even if you're a clear communicator, even if you're persuasive, people may still reject your ideas, mm -hmm. right? And if you have the conviction that you believe what you're talking about and you're open to being wrong or changing, but you care about it deeply, I think it can give the perseverance it takes to get through some of the embarrassing failures, some of the rejection, some of the misunderstanding mm -hmm. that's going to happen on the journey. And you can talk about lighthearted stuff too, where it doesn't matter just to practice sure. your skill. Yeah. But I'm thinking like you know, longer term with effective communication. Mm -hmm. I know that if you give me a script, it could be a great script, but if I don't believe in what in the words that it's saying, mm -hmm. I can, for my personality, I can try to bring the energy and fake it, but I can't. Like mm -hmm. you can, you can actually see it in the recording. It's like, uh, yeah. and that takes me a lot of work to get to the point where I could try to say it with conviction, or I have to change it to mm -hmm. fit so that I could say it with the real conviction that 
makes me feel like I'm acting with integrity. Mm-hmm. So just another aspect to that that yeah. might be helpful. Yeah, cool. Great. Thanks, Alan. I love your questions and also your ideas. Fantastic. Thanks for listening to the Theotech podcast about communication. And we look forward to having you again. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. If you're in the Pacific Northwest and looking for a digital media manager or photographer, check out our episode notes to access Alan Wong's online portfolio. I'd also like to take a moment to thank our patrons for making this podcast possible. If you'd like to hear and support more conversations about faith, technology, and entrepreneurship, you can support the Theotech podcast at patreon.com slash theotech. Thank you, and until next time.